Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. Glad that you're here. Those of you, those of you who have joined us in the room, those of us, those, those of us, those of us who are, are participating online, thank you for being with us. Uh, We're glad that you're here. We like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. That's what we believe, is that the Lord meets us as we gather together. Whether we're here present or here virtually, we believe that God is with us right where we are. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. God, we are so grateful that you have met us right in the midst of our mess, that you came to us in Jesus Christ. The Bible says while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You, you entered into our broken humanity. And you experienced all of it, the the beauty of it and the ugliness of it, right up to us doing the worst possible thing we could do to the Son of God, nailing you to a cross, executing you. Your grave was there, your body, your dead body placed in that grave. But on that third day, when the woman went to go finish the funeral arrangements, There was no more grave, just a garden. You were alive. You had conquered sin and death and the devil. And today you offer this life to us. When we find ourselves in the biggest mess that we can think of, when we have totally ruined the life you've given us, you don't reject us or condemn us, but instead you meet us there. And as we trust in you, you embrace us. You wash us clean. You pick us up. You give us new life. You welcome us into the family. You give us brothers and sisters. You give, your, give us your own Holy Spirit to, to fill our hearts and lives and to empower us to live the life you created us to live. Thank you, God, for your amazing grace, for your amazing love. Today, God, we lift up to you all of our hurts, all of our brokenness, all of our griefs, all of our worries, all of our fears, all of our questions. God, we know that none of that stuff just magically disappears. But we lift it all up to you because we know that you love us and we know that you are able to bring us the healing that we need, the comfort that we need, the strength that we need, the joy, the peace, the answers, the help. Thank you, God. Thank you that we don't walk this journey alone. You are with us every step of the way, and you give us brothers and sisters. You give us a a church family, a community of faith that stretches around the world, made up of people from every every walk, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every, every possible type of person there is in the world, God. We're all welcomed into your family. Help us, God. Help us to be open to each other like we're open to you so that we can encourage each other, help each other. Pray for each other, lift each other up so that we can listen to each other and learn from each other. Thank you, God. Thank you for the ways that you you funnel your grace into our lives through people. We give you thanks for those folks who who have been there for us down through the years. People that have been generous with their time, with their resources, people who have been there to help us. God, we give you thanks. We recognize that these folks are gifts from you. And we pray, God, that you'd help us to, as, you, as we receive this grace from you, as we, as we find ourselves helped by you, 
God, would you, would you also open us up to the opportunities we have to, to be helpers, to let your grace flow through us. Thank you, God. Thank you for the work you're doing in our world. There is nothing we will experience. There's nothing we'll read about, see on the news, hear from a friend. There is nothing going on in the world that, uh, that you are not already active and present and at work to bring your help, to bring your grace, to bring your love, doing your work of redemption and restoration. Thank you, God. Thank you that we get to join you in that work. We get to experience your, your restoring, redeeming work in our own lives. Help us today, God. Help us today to have a real sense of your love for us, of your presence here with us. Uh, as we spend some time uh, listening to your word, God, uh, we pray that it'll be more than just words on a page from a dusty old book. We pray, God, that we will hear your spirit speaking to us today. Help us, God. Help us to be open to hearing what we need to hear. Help us to be open to you doing what you need to do in our lives so that we can be prepared and ready for the work that you've given us to do, that you're sending us out to do this week. Thank you, God. Our trust is in you. We offer this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, now, normally right now, we would walk around the room and shake each other's hands. We're not quite there yet as far as all the COVID numbers and all that stuff. So take a minute, look around and see somebody and say, oh, hey, good to see you. Good to see you this morning. And uh, you, can, you can flash them a peace sign. You can, you know, give them a little namaste bow, whatever you need to do. Give them a wave. And uh, it's good to be together. And thank you for joining us online. Uh, those of you who are, who are with us, uh, we're just going to pretend you're sitting in the back. Okay. And uh, we can't see you waving to us, so that is one thing that you could do for us if you're, uh, if you're joining us online. You could go to livinghope.info slash connect, and you could fill out one of those little digital connect cards. Let's see, I've got to find a path to the, to the front here. Okay, here we go. Thank you, Hysaw family, again. Thank you for leading us. We are, uh, we are glad to have you uh, as a part of our church family with using your musical gifts and abilities. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, so if you're joining us online, you can, uh, you can fill out that little Connect card and let us know you're with us. And uh, if you're in the room, you can do that too. I mean, you can pull out a phone. You can fill one of those out. That's a great way to let us know how we can pray for you, thank God with you, uh, anything at all. And, uh, or if you're in the room here, you can go to the back, and there's a, there's a little green card you can fill out back there. It's a welcome card on the top. And if you have feedback, if you have a question, if you have a comment, then, uh, then thanks, thanks for welcoming everybody, Diane. We appreciate that. Um, if, you, if you have a comment or a thought, you can share that on that card, drop it in the offering box. And if you're giving today, too, we don't pass plates or anything. If you want to give, you can drop something in the box, or you can go online to livinghope.info slash give. You can give there. And, uh, and yeah, uh, one thing you can give to, I'm just going to mention it again, when you're at that website, uh, you can hit the little drop down and hit the Habitat link, and you can give to Habitat for Porter County. You can give to, to help build the house that we are building, and uh, not just building with our gifts but building with our own two hands. So if you would like to be a part of that, our next build day is October 16th, uh, Saturday, October 16th. It's coming up. You got to go to livinghope.info slash habitat and click on the link there to RSVP. All right, don't just show up because wanna, they want to be ready, you know, with enough breakfast stuff and enough lunch and they want to be ready with the number of tools and all of that. So if you're going to go, make sure you go to livinghope.info slash habitat, click on the link for October 16th and say, yes, I'm going to go. Here's how many are coming with me. And uh, we want to make sure that we're ready for you so that you can have a great day just 
like, just like I was able to have, and Jesse and Sam, we were able to have a lot of fun uh, a couple of Fridays ago uh, helping build that house. I think, I don't know, I haven't been in touch with them. Back then they were saying that on this Saturday they'll probably be ready to put siding on and things like that. Have you heard any different? I don't know. Okay. I haven't driven by lately to, to see how the progress is going, but um, it's right here in Valpo. It's not far, and uh, so if you would like to be a part of that, please. Uh, RSVP, sign up. And if we have too many folks for that day, uh, we would love to add some other work days on into the future as the, as the house gets closer and closer to completion. Uh, we'd love to have you participate. Um, one thing I do want to let you know real quick, especially um, uh, for those of you who aren't in the room right now, uh, for those of you who might be watching this later and wondering about this church, uh, we haven't had staff to nursery available until today. So that's been, uh, you know, when COVID hit and we were all shut down, it took us a while. Uh, but, uh, but Beth is there in the nursery and she is available to help in the nursery on Sunday mornings. So if you've got a young one, uh, then she is, she is ready to, to watch that young one, to hold that, that little one, uh, to change a diaper if you forgot to change them right before they, or we, we, have, we have two little ones, you know, we, we know sometimes you just get them changed and then you turn around and then, oh, hey, you got to change them again. Uh, so she is, she's ready to, to be back there and to, and to help your infant to like preschool or whatever uh, in there. And, and the nine o'clock service, we've got elementary stuff uh, for kids all the way up, you know, kindergarten up through, through fifth grade. So um, anyway, so I just wanted to let you know that it's not just you going back there to hold your, hold your baby anymore if you need to. And, uh, and that women's Bible study on Fridays has started. Uh, they just kicked it off this last Friday. If you want to be a part of that, uh, you can do that. Uh, if you're a woman, if you're female and want to be a part of it, it's Fridays at 9.30 or at 1.30. And uh, they're having a lot of fun. And I should tell you, some of you noticed as you walked in, these books finally arrived. So if you want, if you want one of these, uh, you can grab one. The publishers have apologized all over the place. They gave us some free copies. They paid for all the shipping because they knew, you know, that you know, the COVID delays meant that we didn't have these in time when we started a couple of weeks ago, this series based on this book, Way, Truth, Life, Discipleship is a Journey of Grace. So if you'd like to take a copy, there are copies out there. You can follow along. Today, uh, today's message connects with chapter three of that. Uh, it's, it's all about this journey of grace that we are invited on, um, that Jesus invites us to, to you know, come and see, you know, to, to follow him on this journey of grace. It's not a journey uh, of rule keeping. It's a journey of grace, of experiencing God's grace that last week we looked at seeks us out. You know, this journey starts before we even know we're on it, right? Uh, we think we're doing our own thing and we are doing our own thing. And then later on, we look back and we're like, wait a minute, God was involved with that. God, God rescued me from that. God helped me through that. God connected me with that person and finally got me to this place where I'm, I'm ready to listen, where I'm ready to think maybe there is something to this whole thing. That God seeks us out from the very start. Uh, if you want to follow along, uh, there are some notes there. I think we've got some scriptures uh, on the screen. Uh, from John chapter 14, this is kind of the key verse for this whole series. Uh, as Jesus was talking with his disciples, he says, Look, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you'll know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. He's saying, you want to know your heavenly Father? You want to know the God who loves you? Look at me. The Bible says Jesus is the perfect revelation of God. He is the, uh, the image of the invisible God. We can't see God, right? But we could see Jesus. People could see him, walk with him, talk with him, see the love that flowed from him, see the ways that God's power healed and delivered and all the good that he did and see that Jesus was willing to give his life for us. This self-giving love that God has for each one of us that seeks us out uh, and, and, and draws us home. In fact, uh, in John chapter 3, uh, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. That's often the 
thought that we have, right? God's just looking for a chance to condemn us. That's not why he sent Jesus, but it was to save the world through him. Or as as Luke put it, uh, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. We're going to talk about that saving part this week. Last, Last week we were talking about the seeking part that he is seeking us out, that he's involved in our lives. You know, we, we hit those crossroad moments in our lives, those tension points in our lives, and we can look back and we can see like, oh, wow, that was God in his grace trying to get me to choose a better path. That was God in his grace helping me to realize that I needed his help. And we'll see some of that reflected here uh, because, you know, while we might divide this journey up into little nice, neat little segments, it's not really like that, right? Life isn't neatly divided up. You know, life flows. One thing flows into another. One relationship leads to another. One moment leads to another. And that's, that's what it's like with our relationship with God. He seeks us out. He draws us to this, this point where finally we're willing to say yes to him. And, and something, something changes there. Something happens there. This idea of seeking and saving the lost uh, gets illustrated really well in Luke chapter 15. Uh, Luke, who just said that about, uh, about Jesus, uh, tells a story that starts, the, the chapter starts like this. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. You know, the, the ruffians the ne'er-do-wells, all the people that other folks looked down their noses at, they were all attracted to Jesus. They're like, they wanted to hang out with him, and they were. But the Pharisees, the teachers of the religious law, the, uh, the church ladies, right? Uh, did any of you guys ever watch SNL, see the old uh, church lady skit with the... Uh, dating myself a little bit, sorry. Um, you know, these, the, the prim and proper folks who knew how to behave, they muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. He's hanging out with the wrong crowd. He must not really be close to God because, you know, God is up here and sinners are way down here and, and the two don't ever meet until the sinners finally get their act together and they clean up their act and they come to church and they do their right stuff and they, they get cleaned up and they watch their language and they, you know, hide the tattoos and they do all the right things and then finally maybe God would like, you know, or a religious person sent by God would finally maybe eat with them and, and hang out with them. And Jesus wouldn't like that. So these religious folks were thrown so Jesus tells three stories to say, well, God is more like this. You, you have this picture of God, but let me tell you what God is like. He tells a story about a shepherd, and I don't have the first two in there, sorry. He tells a story about a shepherd who's got 100 sheep, and one of them is lost. And so that shepherd doesn't just say, eh, got 99. No, he leaves the 99 someplace safe and goes and looks for the one and brings him back and has, tells his friend, let's celebrate. Throws a party because he's found the one that was lost. He says, God is like a woman with 10 coins, and she loses one. So she turns the house upside down. She you know, moves the furniture, sweeps it all clean until she finally finds that coin. And then she calls all the friends, celebrate with me. I found, I'd lost one-tenth of my, of my you know, savings, but I found it again. Celebrate it with me. It's, it's, the lost are valuable, he's trying to say. Valuable to God. And then Jesus tells a story about a dad. I, I didn't fit this one in here. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. That alone is kind of stunning to me, that little bit right there. You know, the younger son's just like, Dad, I know one day when you die, I'm going to get, you know, a share of your estate, but you know, I just can't wait. You know, I, w- I wish you were, di- you're not dying on me, Dad, and uh, I wish you would. So would you just give it to me now? And the dad just does it. He, he gives his son uh, his estate ahead of time. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. He began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. 
He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. I'm sure for a while out there, you know, he was, had lots of friends, and everyone's like, oh, hey, party guy, yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's covering the tab, you know, drinks are on me. And uh, everybody liked him until he ran out of money. And of course, wouldn't you know, as soon as he runs out of money, the place has, hits hard times, his friends disappear. The only job he can find is feeding the pigs, which to any good Jewish guy, which Jesus and his audience were, they're like, feeding pigs, oh, hey, we don't do that. Pigs are unclean. We don't get anywhere near pigs. He's like the lowest of the low here. He even wants to eat the pig slop, but no one will even let him have any of that. Have any of you been on a farm to know like what pigs and cows and those animals eat? Not pleasant. Not, I mean, you've got to be really hungry before you look at what the pigs are eating and say, hmm, I want to have some of that. You know, It's the kind of thing that if you're desperate, you might be able to gag some of it down, but then you're going to lose some of it right away. I mean, it's, this is how desperate he is. But no one is helping him at all. He's at the lowest point he could possibly be. And then in verse 17, it says, When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up, went to his father. This coming to a senses moment is one of those that I know I have prayed with several of you before, for family, for kids, for friends, that uh, people that you are, you are hoping that God will bring them back from where they are. And I've just said, God, please, would you help one, have one of those come to their senses moments? Because that's, that's God at work. Remember last week talking about that seeking grace that meets us in those moments so we can see that God was at work drawing us? That coming to his senses is, a, is an example of God at work drawing him to himself. That, w- that doesn't just happen on our own. All right? We just keep on digging. We get to the bottom and we just keep on trying to dig. It's it's God's grace that sends that person to to lift us up. It's God's grace that helps us come to our senses. It's God's grace that helps us stumble into a meeting. It's God's grace at work in our lives that we see at play here in this younger son. He comes to his senses and he realizes, man, if I just went home, the servants get to eat. Maybe. Maybe. Dad, I'll apologize, I'll humble myself, maybe he'll let me work for him. Maybe he'll give me a job, and then I can, I can eat. So he goes, hopeful, uncertain. And here's where we see the heart of God. It says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. This is where... The story of Jesus departs from so many other expectations and, and things that go on. Uh, I, I remember hearing one preacher reading it in a book, I don't remember, it was a long time ago, saying that like there is some, there's a similar story in, uh, it was one of the Asian cultures, another honor-shame culture, much like the, the culture of the Middle East that this comes out of. And a similar kind of story where the son comes back and humbles himself, and instead of being embraced and kissed, he's killed to remove the shame from the family. And he, he welcomes, the son welcomes it. Yeah, because he, he knows he's brought shame on the family. That's, that's not what happens here. <laughs> Remember, God is not looking for ways to condemn us. He's, he's looking for ways to, to save us. And that's what he does. Runs to him, 
throws his arms around him, kisses him. The son says to his father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And before he can get the rest of it out, says the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. He is welcomed back into the family. He's given the, the family ring. That's, that's, that was important in those days. That said you belonged. He is, he's got the family clothes. He is, he, is, he is welcomed back with open arms by a dad who never quit watching the horizon, hoping that someday he might come home. Now, that would just be a beautiful story if that was all it is, and many of us can relate to that, Right? Many of us can think in our own lives of times we have wandered off, we've done our own thing, we finally come to our senses and we, we hope that maybe God will welcome us back and sure enough, God does. <laughs> he forgives our sins. He washes us clean. He embraces us as his kids. He welcomes us home. But remember, this story started because there were some religious folks looking down their noses at folks like that. And Jesus' story said this is a dad who has two sons. So we've heard about the younger son. And then in verse 25, the rest of the story Continues, says, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And he was at work. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. I'm just realizing, like, that fattened calf thing is, like, foreign to us, isn't it? We don't, we don't keep, like, a fattened calf in the backyard just waiting for a, a chance to party. Uh, this was an unusual thing, right? I mean, the fattened calf was like the animal that they kept ready so that when they were ready for a celebration, it was like the choice meat. It was right there. It was, you know, they couldn't just run to the supermarket and buy something fancy. They had to have it ready. And so they kept a calf fattened, ready, in case there was need for celebration, ready for, it, ready for the next party. And this is it. This is the opportunity. The, the calf has been killed. The meat has been prepared. The party has begun. Because this brother is back safe and sound. Sadly, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. Again, this is the heart of God, right? He sees the younger son and runs to him. He sees the older son and he goes out to him as well. Pleads with him. But he answered to his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. He's saying, this, this is the heart of God. You have been with me. Yeah, you've been doing all the right stuff. You've, you know, the relationship between both boys was broken between them and their dad. That's what I think Jesus is trying to say. To these religious folks who look down at the, the, the sinful folks, the folks who could say, like, God, I've been working for you forever. I never disobeyed your orders. I check all the boxes. I make sure I avoid all the, the serious sins. I don't do any of that bad stuff like this person over here does. Uh, God, Jesus is saying here, if that's the way you relate to God, you are missing the heart of God. Because that is not who God is. You are just as estranged 
as this younger son who goes off and wastes everything. If you think your relationship with God is all about obeying orders and slaving away and, and how much God would give to you or not give to you and how fair God is being or not being, he said, you are missing the heart of God. He says, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours, but we had to, be celebra- we had to celebrate and be glad. He was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. The, the beauty of the Christian faith, the beauty of the message of Jesus is that we were all on an equal playing field. Uh, it doesn't feel like it right now because I'm standing up here. I would get down there, but then you wouldn't be able to see me out there. Hi, sorry. Uh, we're all on, on like level ground. Uh, I've heard people say that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. That's what that little cliche saying means, right? That, that there's no, well, I, I included a verse in here from, from Paul's letter to the Romans where he says as much. He says there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. You know, the, the people of God and the people far from God. The people who have a long history of doing everything right and the people who have a history of, you know, getting everything wrong. So there's no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. He says, we have all sinned. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter where you've been. We've all sinned. I know sometimes some of you, I'll be talking with you about whatever's going on and it, you'll say something about, oh, well, you're a pastor, you know, I know you don't, you know, like you have me on this pedestal, you know, or, or you think that I'm, whatever. That's not how it is, right? I am just as much in need of God's grace as any one of you. And you can look around the room. If there's somebody in the room that you have a tendency to look down on or to think, oof, I'm better than them, or if you're on the other side of it and you're looking around and think, oh, all these people are better than me, or all these people have it, that's not how it works. We have all sinned. There is no difference. We all fall short of the glory of God. We're all justified freely by his grace to the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. That's why Jesus came and and died on that cross. That's why he came, was to join each and every one of us. He he came to seek and to save the lost, the one who's wandered off, the coin that's, (laughs) I don't know how a coin gets lost, but the coin got lost, The, the son, both sons who had found themselves distant from their father. That's why Jesus came. Uh, let me talk just a minute about this, this whole sin thing. Um, I think it was my dad that I first heard say, and my dad, you know, retired pastor, you know, retired, I should put that in quotes since he preaches basically every Sunday somewhere. Um, I, I think I, I heard him say, uh, it was the one I first heard say, that you could spell sin with like a, a small s, a big capital I, and a little n, that sin is all about me putting myself at the center of the universe. Sin is us saying like, okay, God, I know you say, shouldn't eat that fruit from that tree in the garden. I, I know that you say you provided everything for me, except I should, you know, avoid that. I know, God, that you say life should be lived this way, but I say, I want to do this. I want to eat that fruit. I want to go there. I want to do this. I want to, you know. Sin is saying I'm in charge. It's, it's rebellion against the God who made us, the God who loves us. And when we rebel and we think that we're in charge, we find that we're not really in charge. We have enslaved ourselves. And you really do have to serve somebody. You know, that's, that's the truth of the human existence. The Bible says we're enslaved to sin. We're, we're ensnared by it. We're enslaved to the, the devil. And we're in his uh, dominion of darkness is how one thing puts it. One verse puts it in the Bible. And God comes to rescue us from the dominion of darkness, to to set us free, to break the chains, to pay the price, to to redeem us so that we can be free from that enslavement. 
We think we, think we know what's best, but hmm, not so much. We find ourselves enslaved, trapped. We find ourselves estranged, estranged from God, estranged from each other. That's the first thing that happens in the Bible, right? When sin shows up, Genesis, uh, chapter 1's got all the, you know, seven days, six days of creation and the rest. And chapter 2's got all the Adam and Eve story and the animals. And then chapter 3 has got the whole sin thing. He tells us, just don't eat from that tree. Not yet. I think that God might have had plans. You know, eventually you're going to get to eat that fruit, you know, this knowledge of good and evil. I'll get you there to where you're ready to understand. But they jump the gun. They listen to the snake. They, they get stupid. They eat the fruit. And the first thing that happens, they realize they're naked. They start covering themselves up. All of a sudden, they, they were like, you know, living in this open relationship with each other and with God. And suddenly they realize like, oh, I've got something to hide. I, I, need to, I need to put some space between me and you. I need to cover myself up. And when God shows up for his nightly walk through the garden with them, they hide behind the trees as if God isn't going to find them. You know, but they're, they're estranged. They feel that something is not right. I need to hide. I feel ashamed. But God still comes to them. He doesn't like say, oh, you ate the fruit. Kablam. Okay, new Adam, new Eve. No, he comes to them and he says, where are you? He invites them out. <laughs> he could have just you know, knocked the tree out of the way, and there they were. But instead, he said, where are you? He, he invites them to come out. He invites them to, to take a step back toward relationship. From the beginning of the story right through to the end, you read your Bible, God has, has always been about drawing people to himself, about dealing with our sin problem, helping us to come back to relationship with him, to recognize our rightful place in his creation as creatures made in the image of God, made to be loved by him, made to participate in this amazing work that he's doing in the world. But instead, we want to be in charge. Instead, we, uh, we kind of we compare ourselves to other people sometimes. This, this is something I, I need to touch on real quick uh, when we're talking about this saving grace of God because one of the things that this means for us, this, this is by grace, right, that this is God who does this for us. It's not something that we earn for ourselves, right? The Bible's real clear about that. We don't earn our salvation. We don't earn our right relationship with God. This is all God's work. But instead, if you ask people like, huh, I just, just heard it again on something yesterday. I, I probably shouldn't try to quote it because there were, anyway. Um, I'd have to edit out the swears. So anyway. Um, but I th- we have this sense of like this, the scales in our mind, right? Um, with like the, the two things that you weigh against each other. And we kind of think, okay, I know I did, did a certain number of bad things, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to put some good things on this side to kind of make up for those. And, uh, and maybe, you know, when I come face-to-face with God someday, when I face the judgment seat, that, that as long as I've done more good things than bad, then, you know, God will say, yeah, okay, good, you get to come in, right? We kind of think that that's how it works. That we're, as long as I'm not as bad as those people over there, and we can always find some of those people over there to point out, you know, as long as I'm not like that murderer or that whatever, you know, I'm not, I'm not, at least I'm not Hitler, you know, or something. We'll find the, the worst example we can think of. And at least I'm not that. And we, we're, we hope that God grades on some kind of a curve because we're not really sure we're going to pass the test. But that's not how it works. It's not, again, there's no difference. It's not about what's sitting on the scale. It's about are we willing to, to take the hand of, of God as he reaches out to us in love? It's all about what God has already done in Jesus Christ. There's nothing that we can do 
to make God love us any more than he already does. There's nothing we can do to, to earn our spot at his table. It's just his gracious invitation. Uh, the Apostle Paul put it like this, talking to some, uh, some Roman Christians who lived in Ephesus. Uh, he says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. <laughs> We'd rebelled against God. We'd been enslaved. We'd been killed. We were dead, spiritually dead. We were the walking dead, going through life, thinking we had it together, but really, we were dead. In your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that's a fancy way of saying the devil, the spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient. But then again, remember, there's no difference. So he says, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. He wants to use us as examples of how amazing his grace really is. He says, so in the times to come, people can look back and say, oh, remember those, you know, no good, dirty, rotten sinners? Remember that one in particular? Oh, man. But then God got a hold of them. God was gracious. God lifted them up. God helped them. God surrounded them with people who, who helped them to, to live a new way. By his grace, God made them alive, took what was dead, made it alive. Look at what God's grace can do. He can show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Just real quick, there's three words in that I want to just highlight. You know, again, it's by grace that you've been saved, right? Again, this is all God's work. It's God's goodness. It's God's love for us that we don't deserve. It's by God's grace that he sends his son Jesus to defeat the powers of sin, death, and the devil so that we can be free. It's by grace. And he says, through faith. That word faith, it just means by us trusting him. You know, again, we didn't work for it. But then he says later, those, those works do come. He's prepared good works for us to do. But then those are an expression of the transformed life that God has given us. Those are, those are a result of God welcoming us, and, and now we get to do the things you know, that, that he wanted us to do in the first place. But those good works aren't like what get us there. That's all just God's grace. And faith is just us saying yes. Us saying, okay, God, you're right. You're right. I, I have been living a life that, that is less than what you wanted me to live. Man, God, you've, been, you've, you've done so much to, just to get me to this point where I'm willing to say yes to you. Faith is us just trusting him. Well, you really do have a way out of this, don't you, God? You really do have a better life for me to live. You really did make me for more than, than this. We say yes. We say thank you. And we find our lives changed. He continues, he says, Now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Few verses later, consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, 
built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I feel like Paul was just kind of like running through all the metaphors he could. You know, he's like, so now you're, you're citizens. Now you're, you're members of his household. You know, you're brothers and sisters. Now you are, um, you're being built as a temple. God lives among you. And we each are like a, a, a brick in that temple. We're being built up into a, into a people that God can, people can look at and say, wow, God is present there in that life, in their life together. All by God's grace. And we come to this place. Maybe we've come to our senses. We've realized the life we've been living is, is no good. Maybe we've been doing all the good stuff. But frankly, we've been living estranged from our Heavenly Father. We haven't, we haven't known our Father's heart. We've been looking down on other people. We've been thinking we were better than we were. And, and maybe God is saying to us, yeah, you know what? You've, you've checked all the boxes, but I don't, I don't have you. You don't know me. There's no difference. It's all by God's grace, and all we do is say yes to him. All we do is trust him. That's what faith is about. It just came up this last uh, Wednesday night at, at our Bible study, which anyone's welcome to attend, by the way. Um, I mentioned earlier that one Bible study is just for women. This one's for anybody, all right? Um, you can come on in, bring your questions. Um, yeah, we, we love to have conversation there. And the, the, the picture that's used in the Bible repeatedly of, of Christ being the groom and the church being the bride came up. And I was just thinking about that as I was preparing for this morning. Like, oh yeah, faith is like that moment where, where like the, the proposal happens or something, you know? Like Jesus has got the ring, you know, right there and he's, he's kneeling before us and we are the, the bride-to-be, right? And all we've got to do is say yes. You know, we didn't buy the ring, we didn't do the work. All we've got to do is say, is say yes. Accept his invitation to this amazing life. And the Bible describes it as being like we are united with Christ, like we're married to Christ. He takes our death and he gives us his life. Just like a married couple when they come together and one of them might be, you know, $20,000 in, uh, in debt for something and the other one's like, you know, the other, the other direction. You know, they, they got a lot in the bank account or whatever. They get married and, and what's his is hers and what's hers is his. And that happens for us with Jesus. He takes our death and gives us his life. He takes our, our sin and he gives us his grace. In another place, the Bible says that, that Jesus Christ became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. But the last verse I put in here, in your notes there, was from Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that just reminds us, for the wages of sin is death. That's what we earn for ourselves. We find ourselves dead, just as that other passage said. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's this new life that, that, yes, will take us on into eternity, but that it starts right now, right here. This journey that we're on, this journey of grace. And for each of us, there needs to come a moment where we say, yes. <laughs> yes, I'm going to trust you. Yes, I need my sins forgiven. Yes, I want to walk with you and trust you. I'm in. <laughs> you can put that ring on my finger. <laughs> yes, Jesus. I'm yours. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Thank you, God, for your gracious invitation. Thank you for your kindness to us that we don't deserve. Thank you for your grace. 
Again, God, we thank you for those people that you've placed in our lives uh, who have shown us this grace and have gotten us to this place where we are today. We wouldn't be here if not for your grace that has led us every step along the way. And it's possible, God, that there might be some of us here today that are, that are right at that place where we're ready to say yes to you. You have been preparing our hearts. You've, you've been at work in our lives. And, and right now, by your Holy Spirit, you're reaching out to us and saying, are you ready? Will you trust me? Will you accept my proposal? Will you follow me? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you don't wait for us to get our stuff together. You, you don't wait for us to clean up our act. You come to us right where we are so that we can experience this amazing life that you have for us. You took our death so that we could have your life. And some of us today, we are just, uh, we're looking back at that moment. We are grateful to you that we've been able to walk with you. We, we look back to a time where you first where we first experienced that grace, that forgiveness, that new life. And we're so thankful, God, that you continue to walk with us today. Would you help us, God, not to fall into the trap of that older brother where we think we can look down on other people, where we lose sight of, of who you are, God, and your heart for the, the men and women, the human beings around us. God, each and every one of us, doesn't matter who we are, there's no difference. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We all are in need of your grace and your mercy. So we thank you, God, that you give it so freely. We thank you that we get to experience it today. Thank you, God. Thank you for this sacrament we're about to celebrate, where we get to experience in a tangible, touchable way your love, your grace that you've shown us in Jesus Christ. We offer to you these gifts of bread and juice, and we pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood, remembering that on that night that he was about to be betrayed, he was, he was about to hand himself over to be killed for us as he ate with his disciples including one that was about to betray him, another who's about to deny even knowing him. God, your grace is so amazing. As Jesus was there with his disciples, he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body. Take this, eat it in remembrance of me. You took the cup, you gave it to your disciples and said, drink this, everybody. This is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This seals the new agreement, the new covenant between God and humanity. God, you did for us what we could not do for ourselves. You took on the powers of sin, death, and the devil that it had us enslaved. And by your death and resurrection, Lord Jesus, you conquered them, and you have set us free. Help us to enjoy that freedom, to experience your grace, to experience being embraced by you, our loving Heavenly Father. We offer you ourselves today, God, admitting to you the ways that we have sinned, the ways that, the bad things that we have done that we shouldn't have done, those good things that we should have done that we left undone. God, all those ways that we have rebelled against you, tried to do life on our own terms. 
God, we, can, we confess it, we admit it. And we are so grateful for your grace, for your mercy, for your forgiveness, for your love. Thank you, God, for this love you have shown us in Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. And would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. As we celebrate communion together, uh, I'll be here with this basket of bread and a cup of juice. And uh, as we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice and eat it, and then return to your seats. Uh, If you'd like, there are the the regular little bits of pita bread, and there's the little gluten-free wafers, and there's the little like individually wrapped uh, cup things that we also have on your tables. If you really don't want to join the the crowd coming to the the table, you can... can, uh, Celebrate right there. Just as we sing, go ahead and peel it back and take the bread and peel it back and drink the juice. Uh, or you can join us as we, as we come to the table of our Lord Jesus. This is open to all of us who are accepting his invitation today to experience his amazing grace. Let's celebrate. Oh, thank you again, God, for the amazing grace that you've shown us in the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Fill us today with the spirit of Christ, we pray, so that as we leave this place, we might go as, as the body of Christ, as your hands and feet, living in this world as as your sons and daughters, embraced by you, filled with your love and grace, ready to share that love and grace with the people you send us to. Thank you, God. You have been so good to us. We are just full of thanks. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.